Hey Mavens, welcome back to the Beauty Mavens podcast. Like always, we are so happy you're here. Thank you for tuning in this week. We have an amazing episode planned, but before we dive into it, I just wanted to remind you that our Beauty Mavens Summit tickets are available on our website at beautymavenscollective.com. You can find all the information about the summit and the topics that will be discussed, and you can also purchase your tickets there. We are keeping this summit smaller than our last one, and we are capping it. We only have a handful of tickets left, so run to the website if you are planning on coming, and we're excited to meet you there. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Beauty Mavens podcast. Kristen and Madison are creating a space where the beauty obsessed can feel empowered to dream big and achieve their goals. It's awesome. Interviewing other mavens in the beauty industry to discover their secrets to success and how they got to be the expert that they are. Brought to you by a sister duo of estheticians and entrepreneurs. Here's your hosts, Kristen D'Oliveda and Madison Annis. Experienced is an understatement when it comes to beauty professional Alicia Monique. With a vast amount of experience in many different areas of beauty, this 15-plus year hairstylist, makeup pro, platform artist, and educator has seen it and done it all. Since acquiring her cosmetology license in 2001, she has owned a six-figure hair salon suites business that provided apprenticeships for newly licensed professionals, was a beauty school instructor for Beauty Schools of America, and a creative director for Matrix, a division of L'Oreal. A published artist in many industry publications, like Modern Salon and Sophisticates Black Hair, and was a direct contributor to Hype Hair Magazine, working directly with Editor-in-Chief Adrian Moore. This led to her working with many celebrities like reggae icon Sean Paul, R&B diva Maya, and superstar Pitbull, to name a few. With an overwhelming dedication to the beauty industry, this now-published author's journey continues with her new educational platform, sharing her knowledge to budding beauty professionals across the country, teaching them how to structure and grow their beauty business to succeed in this competitive industry. Please welcome to the podcast, Alicia Monique. We're hello, so, hello, hello. We are so excited to dig in and ask you a bunch of questions and get to know your story more, and we think you have lots of valuable information for our listeners, so gonna be a fun episode yes. yes it is i'm excited i know thanks for being here via skype you're in florida right <laughs> yes so fun in sunny florida i know that's so nice we're finally getting some sun here in utah so we can relate to the warm weather let me just push them your way <laughs> send it all send all the warm vibes okay so we're gonna start with our high lows so what kristen do you want to start yeah so my low relates to the weather. It's been rainy and really windy here the past couple weeks and there was a huge windstorm and I have this really pretty beautiful ginormous tree in my backyard and a bunch of branches fell down and pulled my power lines off my house. <laughs> so I was like without electricity. It was over the weekend. It was it was Memorial Day weekend so I couldn't like do anything fun because I had to we then had to cut up all the branches and deal with that. So that was my low. And then my high is I got a spray tan and it's been a while since I've had one, but I always feel better when I'm tan. So that's my high. Yes, it's <laughs> so much better. My high is that I, it's like the opposite. <laughs> I've been working in my yard, but it's been so fun. But I got a bunch of flowers and I got them all planted and it's so fun, but now the, I guess this could be my low. I was, wasn't going to do this as my low, but um, 
all I want to do is like work outside and be outside because it's warm now and it's sunny. That like the inside of my house is definitely a mess. <laughs> so it's like making the outside really pretty, but then the inside is slacking. So I guess that's my high low. You can invite people over, but not let them in. Yeah. <laughs> Just barbecue outside. No one can come in. Everyone stay outside. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what about you? Well, my high for me has been I actually got a chance to catch up on some rest. Like, that's a super high. When you're so busy and you're consistently going, like, literally, I know it was Memorial Day weekend, but I just lounged and was like a Netflix and chill weekend. Like, just relaxed. Got rid of the bags under my eyes. It's <laughs> well rested. My body doesn't ache anymore. And I can get up and go now. Like, that was a super high for me. However, on the low side, it has really been raining here. So, going outside is like a task of not getting wet. Like literally the front door is soaking wet. So you literally will have to wait to open the door. Like er you're just late everywhere you go because you can't get out the house. It has been raining so much that the streets are flooded. No one can get anywhere and everything is just backed up. Traffic is backed up. Schedules is backed up. And it's just, it's just horrendous. So I guess that was my low here. You guys are up there, you know, with the storms, but I can't get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that weather always gets us. I, I yeah. hate the rain. It's like, I love the rain when I can just sit inside and watch it and listen to it. But when you have to be somewhere or like go to work or whatever it is, it's such an inconvenience. Getting yes, in and out of is. your car, getting wet, like, ugh. But it is fun when you can sit inside and just listen to it <laughs> on your roof. <laughs> Just watch it. I know. Just cozy. Okay, so let's just start with your story and tell our listeners kind of how you got started in the industry and where you're at now. Well, getting started in the industry for me was clearly like an accident, I would say. Like how most of us just fall into playing with the Barbie dolls and not thinking much of this actually being a career Mm-hmm. but more or so something fun to do, like a hobby. Right. So I always say as a kid, like I had the best Barbie dolls on the block. <laughs> like my friends would come to my house and it's like, oh, let's play. And I'm like, nope, you can't touch my Barbie dolls because I've been to your house and I've seen your dolls. Like <laughs> yes. this is just not something you can do. Um, let's play school instead. <laughs> So just being a kid, you know, just playing with Barbie dolls, not thinking that hair is actually a career when in your mind growing up, it's like, oh, I'm going to be in the corporate world or I'm going to be I'm going to be a nurse or I'm going to be a teacher or I'm going to be, you know, something of that sort. And then along the journey, you realize that um, you're steady doing something in the hair world like whether you have a regular nine to five working at like friendly's restaurant, which I did, I'm still doing like my mom's friend's hair for a church on Sunday, mm-hmm. or I'm still doing my friend's hair for school, but I'm working at like McDonald's. So you're still kind of making side money, not realizing that this is actually a career option because growing up, you know, as a hairstylist, wasn't really a, co- a career option for me. I went and got my hair done, but I never saw my beautician as, you know, like, this is the profession that I would be in. 
until you know like I want to say like later on down the line when my husband that time boyfriend like you need to go to school and I'm like why I make good money doing this I don't need to go to school like I make like $500 a week on a side like that has nothing to do with my regular check from Hobby Lobby or any other jobs I have I'm like why do I have to go to school and he's like because like you're doing this you make more doing this than your actual nine to five mm-hmm. so I kind of sucked it up and went to beauty school for like 14 months I hated it I completed it <laughs> as fast as possible got out of there and was like okay so since I'm in this what can I do like you know, like what are all the all the avenues that you can partake in while you're in the beauty industry? Like, and there's so many roads to go down. So not just being just a master cosmetologist, but you can actually just focus on just nails and you can focus on just makeup and you can be a brow tech now and you can be a lash tech. Like there's so many roads to go down that the possibilities are endless. Yeah. So like once I finally got licensed, I'm like, okay, what is it that I want to do? Okay, I want to get paid more because now I have this little piece of paper that says I can charge you more than what I'm charging you. So I'm like, okay, so everything goes up $20. Yes. Regardless of what it is, I everything just goes up $20 because I have this little paper behind me. So I just kind of like figured my way through the industry a little bit before I get to the point where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to do this 100%, if this is like my new career, and I'm not working a typical nine to five. Like, how can I maximize on this as a career? What can I do? Mm-hmm. I can be a beauty school instructor. I can own a salon. I can start working on films. I can shoot for magazines. So I just made like a list of stuff that I can do. And I just started going down the list. And as I completed it, I was like, okay, what's next? So I worked on film sets and I love that. And I was like, okay, what's next? So I became a beauty school instructor and learning that back end of beauty school instructing, I was like, okay, I don't want to do this because I remember the hell that I put my teachers through trying (laughs) to get out of there. And I'm like, okay, let's just cross this off the list really fast so we can go on to something else. Yeah. So owning a salon was like the high of my career. Like that was like the freedom part where having that salon, having that actual brick and mortar, I can do whatever I want to do in this business. Like I can have apprenticeship programs where I teach other professionals Mm -hmm. or I can have licensed stylists like run this business while I go do something else. And I started to do that. So I would have them like run the salon, manage the salon. I taught them how to do it. And I would go teach at trade shows and I would come back and, you know, they're like, oh, this happened. This happened. We took care of this. I'm like, you took care of it. What do you mean? <laughs> they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. We got you. And I'm like, oh, well, this is better than what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Where are these girls? We need them. <laughs> right. So I got lucky. I'm saying I, I really got lucky. Like two great uh, hairstylists um, got really lucky. And even to this day, like we're still in contact with each other, even though I closed down my salon. The goal when opening a salon was to become a six-figure beauty salon. That was something at the time I never heard of. So I had no idea how to do that. I'm like, that's just a term, but how do you make this term a reality? Like, what is it that I need to do in order to to make the numbers match this number? Because I'm my thinking six-figure salon, that's just making $100,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So if you do a little math on that, that's easy. But it's easier said than done. Yeah, yeah to make so, it happen. 
Exactly. So to be able to physically do that and have a team backing you is the hard part. And once I figured that out, I'm like, okay, I figured this out. So now what? Okay, let's just do it one more year. So if I do it one more year and knock out all the kinks from the first year, then what do you do after that? So I did it again and was like, okay, now this is too easy. Okay, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Time to move on, cross it off the list. <laughs> and that's how I ended up coming to Florida to get involved with the film and celebrities and doing more um, commercials and magazines and things like that by literally just listing. And I still have a list of things that I want to do in this industry, but that's basically how it started. Just from as a kid, not knowing the possibilities of what my Barbie dolls would bring <laughs> of jumping into an industry that I hadn't, that I know nothing about and just making a list of all the possible things that I can do and just complete it. Like I'm literally like, I can't move on to something else on the list until I complete this. Yeah. I love and it. Even so you got to reach back and, and pull people with you because if you know how to do it, then someone else is struggling. So I'm like, as I go along this journey, I got to pull at least 10 people with me. And if I can teach 10 of those people, if I get more, great. If I get less, no, I got to get 10. And then it's like, I can move on to the next step. Because I feel like I, I, you know, I brought somebody else up from wherever they was thinking or whatever their mindset was thinking or things that they couldn't achieve. I like, I brought them with me and say, hey, look, you can do this too. As long as you go back and grab 10 people, like, I showed you, you got to show 10 people now. And we just continue, you know, to move on through that journey as professionals. And then eventually, you know, like, that's like the ultimate high. <laughs> yeah. So Look you have at like you. A, I love it so much. My so heart's so happy. <laughs> so you have like a career bucket list. Yes, I do. That, so so on my bucket list was beauty school instructor. On my bucket list is... Uh, I want to get more into like the body painting, makeup and stuff, mm -hmm. like the like how you see like skin wars and things like that. I haven't got to that yet, so that's on my list. Owning a salon was on my list. Teaching for a well-known um product company was on my list. So I taught for Matrix. Um I actually went around, traveled around teaching different salons about color, and color was like one of my fears, like I actually, I, I would never tackle color in beauty school. Like, you can give me the color wheel and tell me all day long about complementary colors and how they work. But I'm like, what if their hair go green? Or what if it goes the opposite of what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, so I never touched color, literally, unless it was like a demi or a semi until I got out of beauty school. And funny story, when I got out of beauty school, like maybe like three months out, I decided to color my mom's hair. My mom was salt and pepper. And I go to the store and I'm thinking like, okay, you got this. Like, remember what your teachers taught you. And I'm looking at the line and I'm in Sally's and I'm looking at the line. I'm like, okay, she said, you got to get um, for gray hair. It should have like a, a little red in it because you got to fill in the gray. You know, I'm, I'm going through all this in my head and yeah. I, I come across Sparkling Sherry by Clairol. And I'm like, sparkling sherry was the color. Clairol, the little bottle with 20 volume because it's gray. You just need to soften the cuticle. You, the whole process. Colored my mom's hair, let it process. We rinsed it out. Her hair was green. Oh, like, no. <laughs> green when green was not trending. Like, yeah. she was straight green. I, could, I called my teacher. 
and I yelled for help. I had to feel like that's my mom. I messed up on the one person I have to see every day. Like, yeah. <laughs> so when I got a part of a company, my determinations to be a part of a of a company that actually taught color was to get rid of the fear of you know understanding color, mm-hmm. so that I can teach it to someone else just based on that story right there. And every salon I went into, I always told that story. Because now I have a thorough understanding of teaching color. So teaching for a product company was on my list. I taught for Matrix. I traveled for them. I taught at different salons. Um, coaching is on my list. I'm still doing coaching right now. Um, uh, working on films, working on a big movie production, that's on my list still. I haven't got there. I work for a lot of small, smaller uh, filming uh, productions. Um, being published in a magazine, um, I've done that. And also entering hair competitions and actually winning, I've done that. So I had a lot of a list of things. And as I do it, it's not just get it done off the list. It's like really accomplish it. Like yeah. feel proud yeah. before you can check it off. That's so cool. I love that. I feel like it's so easy in the industry to, like, find something that's working, build your clientele, and you just get stuck because it's, like, like you were saying with the salon. You were, I don't know how you were saying this, but you were, like, it just got easy. So I just, it just got easy. But I feel like it gets easy, and so you, like, like um, someone who does lashes, and it just gets easy, and it just becomes, that's all they do every single day, and they know it, and then, and it's great, and they're making good money. But I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of people get stuck there and they aren't like continuing their education or trying other things in the industry. So I love that you're like utilizing all the different avenues and like exploring the industry. I think that's really cool. And I like I feel like you're never, ever, ever going to get bored and you're just going to keep growing like as a businesswoman, as a cosmetologist and as a like person in general, like you're just learning so much and... I think that's so cool. I also, another thing you said that I want to go back to because I thought it was really cool and I haven't heard it before is that whenever you do something, you're like, okay, I'm going to bring 10 people along and I'm going to teach them what I'm doing. And then they go and they teach their 10 people. Like it's, I can feel like the passion behind building the industry and sharing your knowledge and your experiences. And I think that is so cool and so unique. I feel like we're like going towards this like more of a community in the industry, but I still think there's a lot of competition and people, like, wanting to hold on to their secrets or, you know, like, I feel like people still kind of are like that. And so I think it's really, really cool. And I love that you said that. Yeah, it it is. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that, that a lot of times, like, you do want to hold on to your secrets. Like, sometimes you feel like it's as if, if I tell you everything that you may do something better than me. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm like, if I tell you something and you do it better than me, I want you to come back and tell me how you did it yeah. <laughs> so that I can come with you. Or I'm going to, I'll be the one that say, you know what? I helped her get there. Like she made that better than me. Yeah. So it's like, if you, if you, if you accomplish something and you did more than what I did, I felt like I was a part of that journey too. Yeah. yeah, because if I didn't tell you how to get there, you would have never made it. You would have never made it past me. Like you would still be on 
YouTube University and Google <laughs> searching. Like, yeah. And I feel like it, like, if they do it better than you, then you're like, oh, well, I can do it even better. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like, not like I can do it better than you, but, like, you're like, oh, there's, like, a higher goal to reach, or I can do, I can mm-hmm. be doing more, and so I feel like it also pushes you, like, it's just pushing everyone to just keep exactly doing so more than what we're doing. I'm like, okay, so you found out a step that I didn't know about. Let me try it again. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, let me try it again. So, if you guys are owning a salon and you like, look, I figured out how to become a seven-figure, eight-figure salon, I'm like, wait a minute. I figured out how to make six-figure salon. Like, how did you figure out seven and eight? Like, okay, I need a salon again. So I can do this again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, I figured out how to take this eight-figure salon and make multiple eight-figure salons. And then I'm like, hey, look, you guys made it eight figures. Come on, let me show you how to make multiple eight figures. Yeah. Like, that's just me and my personality. Like, if we, like, it's enough people to go around for all of us to service. Like, unless you can, like, a small town with, like, a hundred people then yes, be greedy because it's only a hundred people literally. And you literally want about a hundred clients a month. And if it's five stylists and it's only a hundred people in the entire town, then it's going to be some greediness running around. But if we're all, if we're in a town, we all can grow and we all can flourish. Then why not? Like my salon was in a military town and it was literally, I want to say maybe two blocks east of me another salon mm-hmm. and maybe about four blocks west of me another salon we we did not have the same clientele like when you branding your business you're going to attract different type of people oh, people yeah. will ride up and down the street all the time they will come in that exact plaza and go to the other stores and when they finally would come in my salon they were like i didn't know you were here i had been there for like five years mm-hmm So it is all about who you're going to attract and who is for you. So if you have clients that are coming to your business, those are not necessarily my clients. Like those are your clients. And if your clients happen to fall into my business because they're lost, I'm like, hey, you know, Christy, where'd you go? Like I have a client here looking for you and she's in here. Like, did you guys move? Like I literally will call you. Your business down the street, another salon, and like, hey, I have a client here. She said she can't find your salon. Like, did you guys move? Here, Mm -hmm. here's the phone. You know, she said she moved somewhere across town. Because if she's looking for you, then, and I'm the one that's going to help her find it, what if you decide to close down your business and move, and she will come back to where she remember at? Like, I'm just not the type of person to be like, if I figured it out, I can't share the secret. Because I'm going to die with all my secrets. Like, that doesn't that just doesn't make sense to me because it's so many hairstylists out here that are struggling, mm-hmm. that are trying to make it that at the end of the day, their final decision is to go back to school for, say, real estate or nursing mm-hmm. because they can't make it in the beauty industry and they can't find the answers like the answers are here. It's just a matter of are we willing to share those? Yeah, I love that. I We are the same way. Like, obviously, that's why we have this podcast and why we're doing summits and things. But it's like. There is so much to go around, and not only that, but, like, each person is so unique. Yeah, your branding and your business is going to attract, but also, like, who you are as a person. And, like, you can't fake that, and you can't become someone else and attract a different clientele. So it's, like, or, yeah, and it, whether it's, like, clients of um, services or, like, how both of us are 
catering towards like the beauty professional. Like there's mm-hmm. certain professionals that are going to resonate with you and your story and your business. And then some that are going to resonate with us. And that's totally fine. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter like what section of the industry that you're in. I think these principles apply to everyone all over. And we can all be yes, successful. Totally. But, but like, so it sounds so easy <laughs> listening to you. Like, oh yeah, I just, I make a goal and then I check it off, but I'm just wondering if you have any tips for, like, how are you doing so much so fast? How are you, like, achieving these goals? Or, like, any goal in life. Like, what are your tips to actually carrying through and, like, finishing it and seeing it to the end and feeling accomplished? Well, I wouldn't say so fast because 18 years as a professional is kind of a long time. Yeah. And basically, like, the main thing is to, how we mentioned earlier, is to list everything that you want to do. Because as creatives, we get bored. Mm-hmm. Like, if a client comes in and say, you know, remember that hairstyle you did before? Can you do that again? My answer is no. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, I can't do that again. For one, I don't remember. Two, I might have created something different since then. And three, as I'm looking at your hair, I'm probably going to, my, my, my creativity is going to flow a different way today than it did when you were here two months ago. So Mm -hmm. no, like, and I'm just brutally honest. Like, I'm just honest. Like, (laughs) that's just my personality. Like if someone asks, can something be done? I'm like, no, I don't, I don't have any explanation for you. If it's not a good idea, if you ask me in my opinion, I would just clearly be like, nope, I don't think she should, I don't think you should do that. Yeah. Do something else. But in order to like get through, in order to just not stand behind the chair, cause we all love standing behind a chair. I love doing hair. Don't get me wrong. I love doing hair. I specialize in hair color, hair extensions, haircuts and blowouts. That's my specialty. And far as professionals, we have to stay creative. Like, without feeding your creativity, there's really no way for me to check things off of my list. Mm -hmm. So doing something different in an industry is feeding my creativity. So at the point where you get tired of, let's say, doing eyelash after eyelash, everybody's eye is the same. I didn't see, it's like five eye types and I haven't seen seven eye types. Like there's no more eye types I can do. (laughs) You can't, you can only put the lashes on from what, right to left and left to right. Like you can vary it as much as you can, but after a while you will get bored. Yeah. So if you just create a list of other things that you like to do in the industry and start researching how to do those things, So, for an example, if you are a lash tech and you like, well, I want to get into doing brows. How do I take my clientele from just getting lashes to getting brows? Well, start researching and learning how to do brows. What what are you just going to do? You're going to do microblading? Are you going to do tinting? So, always start with researching your what's next. Or what else is on your list? Researching how to do that, how to go about it. And find someone who's actually doing that. So if someone else is actually doing that, how are they going about doing that? How do they get to wherever they got to? And then you start your own journey. You can say, okay, for the next three months, because I want to do something different, 
I'm going to start doing something different for these three months and see whether I like it or not. So for me, working on movie sets, it was all about researching where the movies are mm-hmm. first. Like, where are they shooting these movies at? And then who are the companies that are shooting these movies? Okay, now I'm no big, you know, fancy celebrity hair makeup artist that's just going to get straight into the door. So how can I get in the door if I'm just beginning? What can I do? Can I be someone's assistant? I will still take a job today as being someone else's assistant on a huge movie set. I sure will. Because that still gets my foot in the door on what I want to do. And then, of course, I would network and take notes on things on how that how that movie set is going about. Maybe I can adjust some of the stuff that I do, adjust some of the stuff that I know, make some more connections so that I can get to the next movie set. So if there's something that else that you want to do, you start researching it and then just go out and give yourself three months to test it out, to see whether you like it. Mm-hmm. If you like it from there, give yourself another time frame and say, okay, I'm going to do this X, Y, Z off my bucket list for the next six months or the next year. Because you have to make mistakes and you have to learn. So during that time, you're making every mistake in the world, of course, but you're learning from these mistakes. So with my salon, I had my salon for eight years. It took me three years how to figure out how to hire people, like good people. That's so hard. And I literally was like, okay, it's going to take this long to hire good people. Like, okay, how long is it going to take me to get to the goal that I had when I opened the doors? Yeah. And once I figured that out on building a team, the next step was like, okay, I got the team. Now can I figure out how to get to the money? Like, what structure do I need in order to get to the money goal? Am I going to be a booth rental salon? Am I going to be a commission-based salon? And how does each structure work? Mm -hmm. So I had to take time to learn that part. So it's all about writing down what you want to do, learning how to do it, physically doing it to make the mistakes, correcting the mistakes, and continue on the journey for the goal that you initially set out. So if you initially set out to become the best microblading tech uh, technician in the area in let's say two years, backtrack off of that and say, okay, for three months, I'm gonna learn who can teach it. I'm gonna follow someone who can teach it the best, who can, who can give me the training that I need. Then I'm gonna spend the next three, four months practicing, perfecting it, making it better. Then I'll spend, let's say the next six months on marketing it and growing my clientele because at the end then you will have the clientele that you want as a micro, as an eye specialist. I think I just made that up. But <laughs> no, yeah, we got you. We're following, <laughs> right? It was an eye. You're an eye specialist because you do lashes and you do brows now. So yes. And at the end of the journey, you're like, okay, I did it. Now it's up to you to decide whether you're gonna keep on doing that or whether you're gonna go back to your list and say, okay, on this list I had. You did, you're doing lashes, you're doing brows, and let's say you want to earn, to learn skincare. Okay, back on your list with skincare. So now the journey begins again. Learning, implementing, making mistakes, correcting the mistakes, and continue on. But more importantly, giving yourself a time frame on when you're going to complete things by. Like, mm-hmm. we don't give ourselves time frames. We just wing it. 
Yeah. <laughs> or we fake it till we make it. And it don't work out well if you don't have like a, a solid time frame that you want to achieve things by before you move on to the next thing. Yeah. And I feel like when you have a time frame, then you can measure like maybe you don't complete it in that time frame, but you can be like, okay, well, where am I at? Like, where have I gotten to? Mm-hmm. What else do I need to do? Do I still want to be doing this? Like, I feel like it's, you can do like a little mini check-in, like whether you have accomplished it or not, but you're, it like sets, okay, in six months, like, let's see how far I can get. And then if you're like, okay, I feel good about this, on to the next. Or if you're like, I still am like struggling with this, then like give yourself a couple more months or something. But I feel like Mm -hmm. everything you're saying, like it requires so much vulnerability and so much humility and... Like how you're like, I've been in the industry for 18 years, but if I could go and have the opportunity to be someone's assistant, I would do that. Yeah, I loved what he said that. There's so many people I feel like listening or just, and in every industry, like you've done it for three years. So you're like, oh, I'm not going to be an assistant. Like I know what I'm doing. You know, I have this experience. So, but that's like, that requires vulnerability and humility to go and say, I don't know everything. 18 years is a long time, but, like... You're never going to know everything. You're never going to know everything, exactly. and there might be someone... You're never going to know everything. And especially if it's something new. Yeah. If it's something new, I can't put a time limit on knowing that at all. Mm-mm. Like, 18 years means nothing if you're stepping into something that you know nothing about. Like, yes, you have... I have 18 years in the beauty industry, but if I'm stepping into doing something different, like if I was to go and learn microblading, I have zero years learning microblading. Yeah. I'm a student again. And we will forever be a student in this industry because even when new stuff go out, come you know, come about, new uh, hair extension things, I was at a trade show and I was watching a company put in hair extensions a certain way and... I'm like, I've never seen that. I do all types of extensions. I stood right there and I kind of inched my way a little bit closer so I can be a be- get a better look. Mind you, I've been doing extensions for, I don't even know. But it's always something new. So at any point, if you can just humble yourself and like you said, be vulnerable and be acceptable to learning something new and something different. You can't put a time limit on what you don't know. You have no year's experience on doing this part of your journey. So coaching for me, I've only been coaching for three years. I've been licensed for 18. The minute I stepped into this coaching atmosphere, I was learning from everyone. Mm-hmm. And because I've been licensed that long in the industry, I've been licensed zero years at coaching people. So I literally had to learn how to coach people and not just our industry. It's people, period. Like some of the things that I've learned through coaching training, I actually do it on my family and don't know because Mm -hmm. it's become like second nature now to just not answer a question when someone asks you a question. Like as a coach, you want people to think through the process. Right. On how they would um, achieve something because every process is different. Unless it's something that's truly, I'm like, no, you shouldn't do it. I'll be like, nope, nope. Think of something (laughs) else. Like, what do you mean? Nope. That is not, before you even finish that thought, that is not an option. (laughs) Think of something else. If it's it's horrible, I'm just going to tell you no. But as a coach, you want your clients to think through the process because what works for one may not work for the other. 
And you so might you're not. always going to be vulnerable at, at at any stage in your career. And you might not always be there to answer those questions for them. So getting them, as a coach, getting them to be able to think for themselves mm-hmm. with just you helping them. Yeah. I thought That's, that goes for salon owners as well. Pretty much anyone who has any leadership position, like if someone's coming to you, oh, how do I do this? Instead of just showing them. Like, be like, well, what what do you, what would you do in this situation? How would you handle this client? And then letting them, like, take ownership in that and figure it out as well. You're, you're there watching them and helping them. If you have questions, you can come to me. But, like, you also have to learn for yourself. Exactly. So. Exactly. Like, I'm here to guide you. And I'm here to let you know whether your final decision was great or not. And I'm here to support you along, you know, the decision process on whether it takes a turn that I know you shouldn't take. I'm here to, you know, to reel you back in because sometimes we do, we do get out there with our creativity. Like, um, I've done, I've taught classes at trade shows where, um, I teach about salon promotions, like how to run right salon promotions, you know, to grow your business. And I've always asked people what promotions have they ran in the past? And there are literally some of them, I'm like, don't don't run that again. Don't run that ever in your life. Don't run that as a salon. Don't run that as a stylist. Don't tell another stylist to run like, 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 they're truly horrible. And I help them, like, rethink how to make that better. Like, I've seen where it was, like, buy to, like, um, uh, purchase a service and you bring a friend and that friend gets a free service. I'm like, don't do that. Like, no, we don't do free services. Like you will get yourself in so much trouble for that. I'm like, don't do that. Like, you know, so I walk you through how to adjust it to make it better. Because as a coach, it's like you come up with ideas and the ideas are sometimes super elaborate. Even with myself, I have write down a lot of my ideas and I come back days and I read it. And I'm like, that was dumb. Like, why did I even think of that? Like, that was horrible. And some of them I write down and if they're incomplete. And I'm like, okay, that was a good idea. So how can I complete this? So with my clients, I have them do the exact same thing. Like, that is a great idea. But how can we bring it another, the next step forward? How can we make what your idea is be even better? If you run it this time, the next time run it like this and the next time do it like this so that they have like a lengthier strategy and not just a one time thing. Because when I teach the classes, I see all kinds of stuff. And I guess that's why I'm just brutally honest, because I see a lot of stuff. And if it's not right, I'm just like, don't do that. Like, I'm scared for you. Don't do that again. (laughs) You're running yourself down in a hole like, you know, just come on back in. Just try it again. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, I did have a question about, this is going way back, you were talking about it in your story, but you were saying you had to figure out, you know, commission or booth rent or how you wanted to run your salon. I feel like we get that question all the time. So do you have any tips or tricks to helping decide whether you should run, which way you should run your salon or how you came to that decision? The, the biggest thing is this is what I tell a lot of salon owners. If you are looking to continuously increase your profit, then you do not want a booth rental salon because you cap out at a certain amount. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're looking to just run a business and have that business as a part of your portfolio 
and run multiple businesses just to be an owner, to build your portfolio, then a booth rental is the way to go because it's less maintenance. Yeah. So as a booth rental salon, if you are charging $100 a chair, you have four chairs, you're going to cap out at $400 every single week. There will, be, there will never be an increase and you will never receive any more profit than that. Right. And if you're learning, if you want to have more control over your business, you want to build more of a team environment, then you're looking to have a commission-based salon where you will bring in training and you will do education with your stylist. And they will be on, let's say, a sliding scale commission. They will have or team-based pay. Because then at that point, you will be able to say, okay, we're going to run this type of event and I want my team to be a part of this event. So if you're looking to be more involved in your salon and have your stylist be more involved in the things that you do, that you do, then you're looking for a more of a commission base. If you know nothing about the beauty industry and you just want to own a salon, then your best bet is to just have a blueprint. That way you can just literally list having a beauty business on your resume. Yeah. And you will have less work to do. Oh, yeah. You just have to maintain, like, the premises, basically. Exactly. And collect the rent. So if you're, you're looking at if you want to have more of that tenant-landlord feel where you just seen sending a cleaning team once a month, clean the whole business up, make sure, you know, it stays nice and fresh, then you're looking at having a booth rental because you're the landlord of the building and you are renting it out to tenants. If you want your tenants to actually partake in parties and Christmas parties and events and go to educational seminars together, or are you looking to bring in product knowledge classes, or you're looking to go out and do community events or give back to nonprofit organizations, if you're looking for more of that team-based spirit where we all are a big family and we do things as a big family, then a commission base is 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 for you because that's where you be able to bring in things like that. If you're a booth rental, they'll literally come and go as they please. Imagine having tenants of apartment building come together for a cause that they're gonna go and do for free <laughs> to build what? Like it's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'm not leaving my apartment to go do no. no I'm gonna stay here. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not gonna happen. Also, with booth rent, though, while it is less maintenance, it's also, like, if you're, it's, I feel like harder because if you're not doing those meetings, like, they're still reflecting your salon. So, people are coming into the salon, and they might not know that it's all booth rent, and so, if Sally does a bad job on your hair or has bad customer service, but she's a booth renter, so you can't really, you know, like, I just kind of can, I feel like booth rent can get messy that way. Where you don't have total control over them, but when they're employees, and not that you're like controlling them, but I don't know. But you can, I guess you can still have standards if you're a booth rent salon that they have to live by. But I just think it could be like a slippery slope to kind of, yeah. It is. It is. It is. Because you can still, you can't really tell the booth renters what to do. But you can have set standards that they should abide by and hopefully they abide by. Yes. Um, And that's why I always say if you having if you if you're having the booth rental 
structure, then you're just looking at having that business just be a part of your portfolio. Like the, the managerial part of it, you may not really be interested in because you really don't have a lot of control over that. You can set the standards and hopefully the stylists will abide by those standards because they have set, they have high standards as well. That would be the perfect win-win opportunity if you got stylists that really have great standards and your business have high standards and then things will go along, you know, really, really great. Yeah. But like I said, if you just want to, to, to have a portfolio, I mean, to have a salon on your portfolio, maybe you own a salon, maybe you do own an actual apartment building, maybe you own a real estate, maybe you're trying to diversify your portfolio, then that's kind of where a booth rental will come into play at where you set the standards and hopefully you hire stylists that have those same standards. Mm -hmm. But if you want, you know, to add in, let's say different, different pieces of your, of your salon business. Let's say you have a stylist who just learned makeup because she was interested in makeup and you like, you know what? I have a small area. Let's turn this area into having a makeup bar where as a commission stylist, she can do hair and she can do makeup. Mm -hmm. Or you have another stylist that, that's just fascinated by like manis and petties. Not that, you know, that would be fascinating, but <laughs> I just love <laughs> that that creation when it comes to doing like acrylics and things like that and you incorporate a nail area into there. That's something that you can a commission basis where you have the opportunity to add in different elements and to be able to profit off for adding those different elements into the business. But if it's a booth rental and you just want to, you know, to have a business because you want a, a place for yourself to work and you're not really going to be there, then that's that's the difference in the structure. Mm-hmm. Like I've always tell everybody I work with, if you're trying to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, then booth rental is probably not the right structure for you. Unless right. you have like a huge salon with very low rent. 40 plus <laughs> chairs like you can exactly pack them and in very there. and very low expenses yes yeah then you'll make it yeah <laughs> but that's the first thing that i i do um so i do like a free 20 minute discovery call and the first thing that i ask you is whether you're a booth rental or a commission if you're a booth rental i ask you what is the weekly weekly rate how many chairs you have and i give you how much you make a month like right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And for some salon owners, like they're surprised. Like that's all you're ever going to make. I've even had, I've had some salon owners where the price of their chairs and their expenses were wonderful. I'm like, you're, this is amazing. Like the chair price was like almost like 275, three, and the expenses was really low. So she was profiting at least like 2,500 a month. Mm hmm. I've never really seen that. I've re- I've only seen it where you come close to making like maybe five hundred, a thousand dollars a month, like, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So she was making a pretty decent amount of profit being a booth rental salon. So right off the bat, when we get on the phone, that's the first thing I ask you: What's your structure? If you're a booth rental, what's your chair rental? I let you know how much you're gonna make a month and how much you're gonna make a year off of your rental. If it's commission, I let you know what your possible um, yearly income goal could be as a commission. And then from there, I understand, you know, like um, we start talking about whatever it is that you're struggling with. 
and see whether I'm able to help you. Now, if it's not something that I'm able to help you with, I do know other coaches and I'll point you in another direction. I don't believe in just taking on a client to take on a client. If I can't help you get the results that you're calling me for, I will give you to someone else who can help you get those results. I'm not just about, you know, putting you into either my one-on-one -on -one coaching program or my membership program and you're you not being able to benefit from it. It just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't sit right with me and you won't learn anything, but you will still be out of your money. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I love that that you do that. That you're honest. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Can you give us like your top three tips to being able to build that six figure beauty business? Just something, little simple things that people could implement this week, even. For one thing, um, to get to six figures, I tell everybody this in order to make your six figure goal, you have to at least make $2,000 a week. So count your money, count your money every single day. Count your money at the end of the week. If you did not make $2,000 this week, look at your money next week and see where, what your projections are and find out where your missing money is. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your money is missing because you have a boatload of magazine subscriptions <laughs> and you don't even see the magazines. Yeah. Sometimes your money is missing because you're not charging full price on what you should be charging for. You're discounting all your services. So tip number one is to count your money. Know where your money, know where every penny goes. Not just the dollars, but the pennies, because the coins add up. Yes. If, you, if your coins aren't adding up to whole dollars, you'll never get to six figures. So this week, count your money. At the end of this week, look at your total. See where money came in and see where money went out. I have a beauty income and expense worksheet. You can find that on my website where you can put in all your numbers for all your expenses, all your services, and it does the calculations for you. It'll tell you how much you made this week. So if you're trying to get to six figures, the first step is to count your money. The second step is to really look at your clients. Are these your ideal clients? Are these the clients that you want in your chair? Because ultimately, we have clients that we do not want in our chair. Yeah, and we if you don't, Yes. <laughs> if you don't want them, fire them. And it's okay to fire them. The last, I think a month ago, I actually fired a client. I just, I couldn't take it. I was like, I'm done. Like, I, I don't want our money anymore. I it's don't care how much she yeah. was paying me. I don't want to do her anymore. And I literally thought about my whole um, speech the whole time. If I give you guys a speech, it would probably take me two minutes to say it. But it took me 20 minutes to say it to her mm -hmm. because I was really slow and really selective on my words. So tip number two is to fire the clients that you don't want. Understand the ones that you want and fire the ones that you don't want. And a conversation will go something like this. Hi, Miss Mary. <laughs> it was a pleasure of serving, servicing you today. You know... I absolutely love how your hair came out. However, I just think that me and you are not a great fit anymore. We're not in a great partnership with me servicing you as a client and you come into my business. I truly appreciate you coming to visit me all of this time. I really do. 
However, I think it's time that we part ways. I wish you all the best in finding a new stylist. However, I will not be your stylist anymore. Now you can slow that down however <laughs> slow you want to say it, but ultimately you are divorcing your client. Like she serves you no purpose anymore. So identify your client. Tip number two, identify who you want in your chair and fire the ones that you do not want. Mm -hmm. And last for number three, build that clientele on the ones that you want in your chair, the ones who are going to pay you without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And then just clone her, find more of her over and over and over again. So to get to six figures, it breaks down to $2,000 a week. If you're not consistently making $2,000 a week, you won't get to six figures. If you are servicing clients that you do not want, you will not get to six figures. So you have to identify the ones that you want. Who are they? Where do they work? Where do they shop at? What do they look like? Are they divorced? Are they married? How often do they visit the salon? What type of hair texture do they have? What color are they hair? Do they have children? Like you really want to identify who she is and go find her and her whole office. Yes. <laughs> and bring them back to your chair. This is how you get to making that six figure goal along with consistently checking those numbers. We have to count our money and we have to monitor our money. Otherwise it just goes out the window because those new shoes, when you walk in a mall, you know, they call your name when you walk by the window <laughs> You don't need those new shoes yes, because you work all the time. You can't stand in those. You don't need that new purse because you have a wallet with all your debit cards in it. Like some things like you really don't need. So just focus on making that six figures. So this week, start with counting your money. Count your money. Count those pennies. Count every cent until you get to these dollars so you can figure out where your money is going and figure out how you can increase that money to come back in. Yeah. When when we started focusing on our numbers, I like was shocked at how much money we were spending. Like it's so crazy how fast money goes. You don't realize it. It's little things. It's let's go out to lunch three times a week. Like let's not bring our I don't know. Like I forgot to pack a lunch, whatever. It's fun to go out to lunch. But that adds up so fast, especially when there's two of us <laughs> going out to lunch a couple times a week. Like We've really had to be like, okay, like if we, you know, want to hit these bigger goals, like we need to stop going out to lunch. We need to pack our own lunch. We need to, mm -hmm. I don't know. There's so many things. Yeah. Cancel some of these subscriptions that aren't serving us anymore. There's so many places where our money just like slips and goes like, okay, I guess we don't really need to pay someone to wash our windows. We could wash our own windows. You know, like there's just, there's places where you can find areas to cut back on. But you don't know that you're spending it all until you're counting it. Exactly. You don't know where it's going until you start, like, looking at where it's going. Where it's going, yeah. And then you, and you realize, so on the worksheet I have, there's a lot of categories in there. And um, it's exactly the same worksheet that I use when I own my salon. I just turned it into a fillable document. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. so that it does the calculations for you because you know sometimes we'll put it on the numbers but we won't really like count this area like this miscellaneous area you know you kind of like push that to the side and you deal with that later you like let me count the big numbers first when it's all of these tiny little like twenty dollars at lunch and $40 at happy hour and, and $50 on window cleaning, things like that, that, you know, adds up more than buying the back bar products or even paying the rent. Like those are two big numbers, but all these other little numbers is where you're losing the money at. Yeah. So I designed the worksheet so that it's fillable and it does the calculations for you. You can't skip out on them. And even in some of the categories, like clothing is actually a, an expense for us as salon owners and as stylists. Yeah. So we'll say, because those shoes are nice and comfortable, I can work in these. So every week you're buying a new pair of shoes when it's really not necessary. So if you look at you spent $500 this month on new shoes, you can cut those expenses. Mm -hmm. So to get to that six figures, you really have to understand where your money is going. And like you said, it's going fast. Like you're spending a lot of money in areas that you honestly can cut back on. So instead of getting the windows washed every week, go to once a month or twice a week. And in between, everyone takes turn in getting the fingerprints off on the low end because that's where the fingerprints are. They're not at the top of the window. They're at the bottom of the door. So you can cut expenses in different areas. So in order to get to that ultimate goal, the biggest thing is finding out where all the money is going. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like you can make $100,000, $2,000 a week. That's not a ton of money. Like, you can do it. You can make mm-hmm. $2,000 a week. But at the end of the year, like, how much are you actually taking home? Because Did you, you might be surprised that you're only going to take home twenty grand. You know, like, you, like you're not exactly. going to profit the whole six figures even though people say i made six figures like as a salon that doesn't mean that that's how much they're taking home but Mm -hmm. you you can take home a lot more if you are careful about where you're spending it and save the shoes for the end of the year when you hit your goals and get your big paycheck (laughs) exactly buy the shoes when the shoes are absolutely necessary and when they're on sale (laughs) yeah i think that's those are really good tips. Thank you. Not a problem. You're welcome. <laughs> I love those So I hope, I hope you really take heed of the tips. Like you said, $2,000 a week is not a lot to, to earn, but it is a lot when you have more than 2000 when you're spending more than $2,000. Mm-hmm. So yeah. on some weeks, you may earn 2000 and spend four. Yeah. So you're actually in the negative. But until we truly count our money and see where it's going... There's no way to really to get to to make any any type of goal, to make any type of money. And so even if you say I want to make six figures, I want to make seven, seven figures, eight figures, nine figures. If you don't know what you're spending money on, then you can throw out any number mm-hmm. and cross your fingers. And then when your taxes come back at the end of the year, you're like, what? <laughs> like <laughs> the worst feeling. <laughs> The worst feeling ever. Like, I, oh, how much? Like, that's the worst feeling ever. So, um, I'm all about, I'm, I'm like a numbers, numbers thing. So, I, I do math and I do numbers. The minute I get on the phone and I talk to people, I'm always calculating numbers and seeing where it is that you can um, 
pull in more, more income from. Um, a bigger thing that I do also is when I see a lot of uh, stylists and salons spending a lot of money on their back bar products um, often is truly understanding how many, uh, what's the cost of service per product. Mm-hmm. So if you buy, let's say, a four-pound bucket of this hair mask, how many hair masks are actually coming out of the bucket? And I always joke about, you know, we do the finger scoop. We we make our we cup our fingers and we scoop it in there and we just come out by the, the handfuls and the globs. And if that glob isn't enough, we go get another glob. But how many services are we actually getting out of this four-pound bucket? Are we actually wasting product as opposed to you getting more services out of this bucket? So, for example... If you have a four-pound bucket of hair mask, then you should at least get 10 services out of the bucket. Mm -hmm. If you're coming up on eight services, then somewhere along the line, you use way too much product where you're just throwing money down a drain. So if you're using too much product, consider you can hear all the change just falling down a drain when you rinse it out, Mm -hmm. as opposed to measuring the product. So measure it out. And see exactly how much you need for each service so that you can maximize on the use of the product and get your most uh, dollars worth for this four pound bucket as opposed to tossing money down the drain. And then you're spending more money on back bar use. Right. And if you're a salon owner. I discussed that too uh, also in the membership where we go through pricing. We have a pricing structure course where I break it down in detail on how to create your prices. And a lot of times I hear we pull prices out of thin air. Thin air is not where your pricing structure should come from. Mm-hmm. Like, because the manufacturer of certain products didn't pull their prices out of thin air to charge you. Like yeah. you spent a specific amount of dollars on stuff in your training. So when it comes to structuring your prices, I break it down to how many services do you get per bottle of shampoo? Like how many, um, hairsprays can you get out of the can literally like how many leave how many clients can you spray this leave-in spray treatment on so really understanding that is also a part of getting to that six-figure goal that is so awesome and i think if you're a salon owner like making sure your employees are trained because chances are they're not the ones paying for it so chances are they're the ones that are using the globs and globs and extra. Yeah, we found one of our estheticians was using like six different serums on a facial when we were only calculating one being used. So that was like, okay, that's a lot of money going down the drain because really you don't even need six serums on your face. So yeah, watching your employees or whoever's in your salon, what they're using. Well, this has been so good. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. Awesome. I've learned so much, and I'm excited for everyone to listen to this and hear what they thought about the episode. I think it's been really good. So where can everyone find you? You can find me basically everywhere. I'm all over. <laughs> you can find me um, through all my social media platforms if you just search Alicia Monique. Typically, I'm in the blue jacket on all platforms. Um, also, um, the end of this year, I'll be at, uh, two, actually three. I just found out yesterday that I'll be teaching in Atlanta at the Bronner Brothers Hair Show. So I'll be teaching two classes there in August. I'll be teaching also in South Carolina 
in September and the Extension Expo also in September as well. The end of September, I'll be on the business panel there talking about um, growing your beauty business. Um, but more importantly, you can find me on all my social media channels where I do a live Monday through Wednesday morning about 9, 10-ish, giving out some type of tip or something for you to use to increase your business. And that's Alicia Monique on there or on IG, Alicia Monique as well. Or you can pop through my website and just browse around. Awesome. Don't forget to check out the membership at buildyoursalonbusiness.com. Perfect. Okay, so everyone make sure you check her out. Check out all the services she has to offer because she is an amazing resource for everyone in the beauty industry. And then while you're at it, check us out on Instagram at Beauty Mavens Collective, and we will see you next week. XO Beauty Mavens. Mavens.